Hello and welcome to the Big 12 Country Podcast, where four guys in jockstrap will be covering college football and providing content and HSOs from around the Big 12. All right, guys, welcome back. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we're here doing our week two preview show. Uh, hopefully you listen to our week one review show and you're a little bit caught up. If not, we'll be sure to fill in some of that information for you. So make sure everybody's on the same page this week. How's everybody doing? Doing good. Doing great. Doing Excellent. Good. Doing good. Everybody excited? Yeah, I'm ready for a good week of football, although this week doesn't seem to be as, as uh, exciting as the first week as far as scheduling. Yeah, it was kind of a big womp womp moment because uh, you know they're with ESPN, you know, going nuts. <laughs> yeah, there's for the whole it's, week. It's yeah. definitely not the greatest second week in college football ever. Yeah, yeah. zero yes. zero AP ranked matches this week. Yeah, nas- from a whole national term, you know, the Big 12's got a couple big games, but nationally, I could definitely say this is probably the just looking at it the softest weekend of the year, and it sucks that it was right after the biggest. So it's kind of a big letdown. So uh, let's go around the table real quick. Uh, what's the? Let's tell everybody what the one big thing is you're looking forward to most seeing this weekend. It could be nationally, Big Twelve, high school. I don't care. Whatever, <laughs> whatever the case may be. Kendall, let's start with you. Uh, one thing I'm looking forward to this week is the Tennessee and, and Virginia Tech game. I'm just curious what it's going to be like in the middle of a motor speedway. Like, what are, are the fans really going to have good seats to see the game? It, it seems very. I, I don't know. It seems really interesting. I, I don't know how it's going to turn out. Yeah, surely they've built some kind of seating right around the football field there. If not, that's a long ways away to watch a football fit, football game. Yeah, that was my my thing on it. you got an entire racetrack in between the stands. because Now, I will say this. It's proven there's not a good seat in that place. It's going to be terrible to watch the game. There's no good sight lines, the poles. It's just, it wasn't ever intended to have a football game. But, like, you know, they're not going to put folding chairs on the asphalt. Right. So, right. I mean, like, what's the plan there? And if not, you're you better take one serious set of binoculars. I mean, I doubt we have anybody, but if somebody's listening to this show and you're planning on going, take a telescope because that's a long way away from that field. Well, it how, big, how big is that track? Uh, um, three-quarter miles? How big is it? Is it three-quarter mile or half a mile? I don't remember which one it is. I, I think it's Sorry. bigger than half, but I could be wrong. I'm definitely not a NASCAR person. Yeah, me either. That, that yeah, game is – Hopefully they've built some temporary stands. That, yeah, that's what I'm wondering. That, that game is expected to set the all-time attendance mark, too. There's yeah. going to be 150,000 plus. Oh, easy. Yeah. It'll be 150,000 mad, mad people by the end of the, yeah. end of the game. So <laughs> it could be really interesting. Yeah. And, and 150 people who got 150,000 people that got ripped off on tickets. And if I'm not mistaken, I want to say Bristol, it seems like, I, and I could be totally wrong. If you're an NASCAR fan out there, I apologize. It just seems like I remember reading this somewhere. The stands hold somewhere around 130 to 140. So, I mean, it could easily be well over 150 when you're talking about, you know, the open areas that people get down on. So, uh, yeah, that, that's definitely going to be a, a real interesting one this weekend. Uh, Colin, what's your uh, thing you're looking forward to this weekend? Well, I'm going to Big 12. I want to I want to see West Virginia. I know they're not playing the same level of competition this week, but I want to see them actually finish some drives with some touchdowns. Mm-hmm. When you get into Big 12 play, you can't – you know, that's haunted them in the past. They can't stop with field oh, yeah. goals. It, it needs to be touchdowns, and especially against this level of competition. Yeah, definitely. And, and it, you, you definitely need to get your – to the point where you're a well-oiled machine by, you know, Big right. 12. This is, a, this is a good practice game. Uh, Kendall? Hey, I, I just kind of looked up here real quick on the uh, Bristol Motor Speedway, the game. The field's in the middle of the infield, and there are no stands yeah. anywhere other than where you set to watch a race. Normally, exactly. So, so you have this huge <laughs> patch of area where there's nothing going on. Yeah, it's expected to be about 150,000 people there is what they're saying. But it's it sounds 
it looks like if you're going to be going the game, you're going to have a tough time seeing anything. Here's my question: I haven't seen the lineup as far layout as far as teams. Are the fe- teams benches actually going to have enough room in the grass area? Or are they going to actually be up on the apron? I mean, how's that? No, it's it's all in the middle of the infield. But it's, it's actually big enough. Yes, I'm not familiar enough with the track to know, but it's actually big enough down there to actually hold everything you would need to hold yes. sidelines and all. Okay, all right. And have you guys seen the and I? You know, watch game day this weekend. I can't remember the numbers, and I'm not even trying to look it up. But you guys happen to just look a little bit into what it took to get that scoreboard to hang there. I guess the wire. It's berserk. Wait, tune into game day this weekend. They'll talk about, or you can go. You can go Google it. They did a little story about it. But dude, it's uh, the the feet. And then you're talking like you know, it's suspended over there. That distance we're talking about, right? Well, the nearest anchor point is the stands. Oh wow! Half a mile away from the freaking grass. So you got these huge, like one inch diameter steel cables. You know, it's just it's a, it's honestly somewhat of an engineering marvel. I mean, it's not easy to do that. So uh, rolling into Jockstrap. How you doing this weekend, Jockstrap? Good. What's doing good. What's your uh, number one thing you're looking forward to doing, buddy? I'm or we're looking I'm to lo- seeing. I'm looking forward to the Arkansas and TCU game. I'm just wondering how they would do after do their bad performance, defensive performance of last year. Who, uh, who, be more specific, who, who's bad defensive performances? Both of them. Oh, okay, in general. Well, I mean, you're not wrong there. Yes, they, they definitely both. I mean, granted, Arkansas only gave up 20 points, but look who they gave it up to. So, uh, yeah, 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 that's, that's, a, that's a good one. Uh, B, what's your, what are you looking most forward to? I'm looking forward to the Arkansas TCU game as well. I want to see if TCU can actually rebound and make a stop on defense. I think. They were uh, pretty atrocious last week, and mm-hmm. Arkansas, you know, if they've got the big offensive line, if they can get rolling downhill, it may be tough for TCU to hold on. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we all know one thing Arkansas is going to bring is a big offensive line. and there's, Yeah, although, although Arkansas's rushing last week was pretty subpar, but yeah, if they can get it going and TCU doesn't fix it, that defensive side, then it could get rough for them. Have you, have you happened to see if Devois Whaley's getting to play at all? I haven't. I looked for him today, but I didn't. I didn't see his stats. So that's a guy. I know. I knew they've had some injuries at that position, and that's a name fans may look out for. He was a very high valued recruit. A lot of people wanted him. Oklahoma was in on him real hard for a while. Um, Georgia was in on Georgia, him. Georgia. Georgia. I thought Georgia had him. To be honest, I thought it was over yeah. with. Um, so that's a that's a potential. You know, we talked about Oliver last week. Potential impact freshman. If that was one in that game, I would look for it. It'd be Dev Whaley, the running back for Arkansas, because that dude is bad. Uh, sorry, Kendall. What was you going to add to that? Oh, well, I, I was just wondering. This is something I've been thinking about the last few days. Do you think Bilima's kind of ran his course there? I mean, he talks a whole lot, and his the production has not been to what his mouth's been running. I mean, do you think they're starting to wear thin over there? Yes, because as we know, Arkansas is a very emotional fan base with high expectations, in my opinion, higher than the program can even justify having. Um, you know, a lot like Texas A&M fans, in my opinion, which Texas listeners can attest to that. They they walk around like their program is, you know, University of Southern Cal, but it doesn't have the numbers to support that. And you know how they can be. Uh, Arkansas fans are probably – now, they can be understanding, but if you get to, like – you know, as we talked about with Texas this year, we got to start seeing it. Even right. if they don't win games, we got to start seeing it. And now you're in, what, year three of Billum, I believe? Yeah, three or four, one or the other. Yeah, I want to say three, but it could be four. I, surely he's not on his fourth team. Maybe he is. I don't know. But, I mean, this is definitely his team now. We agree. I mean, right. this is his players. Everybody's – yeah. So, um, you know, it, it, here's the thing. 
if Brandon Allen's little brother, the quarterback, if he can be like his older brother and be just a good, solid pro, you know, a decent pro prospect in the SEC, that's really all you need if you build the team right. So, you know. Yeah, I think if Belima would have lost this game this last week, his seat would have been a lot hotter. Yeah, I, I definitely think they'd have been coming after him already. I, I, I think he can survive this season. If you're, if I'm just being totally honest, I think he could survive this season, being a six and six, seven and five team. But the beginning of next season, he'll be up against the wall right off the bat, because Arkansas can handle losing to Alabama. They can handle losing to LSU. Losing to whoever it was they lost to last year that was Toledo. awful. Yeah, Toledo. Then how the old Miss game finished. Wasn't that old Miss that had the ridiculous lateral to beat Arkansas? Or Arkansas? I can't remember yes. exactly how that game. Yeah. Yeah. So stuff like that, that's the crap they're not going to tolerate. And I don't blame them. They shouldn't have to. So, you know, anyway. Moving on into the show. Uh, doing a little stat thing here. You know, I usually try to open up the show with something kind of interesting. You know, something I see during the week. And as we're getting into games now this is getting a heck of a lot easier and uh the thing i saw that absolutely stunned me maybe so and texas fans may know this i hadn't heard that i have a couple of friends that are texas fans i work with some texas fans this was a new stat to me i did not know he was getting in on this but um senior quarterback tyrone swoops everybody's familiar with him uh he is only 28 yards shy of being a 3,000 career having 3,000 career passing yards. Um, you know, he's he's probably, I mean, he, you know, if he gets a couple of plays this weekend, he probably breaks that. I mean, anybody else, to be honest, did you think he was anywhere near that? I didn't. No, I, I, I would not have guessed he was close to that. Yeah. Because the only thing you think about him is running. You don't ever think about passing. Yeah. So I wouldn't have guessed that. Brady? Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't have guessed that at all. I mean, how many, has he been starting for two years or just one? Uh, he's well, playing time. He's one full, and then he split with uh, Hurd. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and then I, know, I wouldn't think that he would have thrown for more than a couple hundred yards each game. Yeah, like I, I mean, I know he had a couple games in there where he threw for some quite a few yards, but three thousand total doesn't seem doesn't seem like the type of player he is. If somebody would have come to me and said he's getting ready to break the two thousand plateau, I'd have said, okay, I can see that. Never saw 3,000, but that's only part of the stat, guys. Uh, the rest of it is. Additionally, he is just 155 yards uh, rushing shy of 1,000 career yards, which that doesn't so much shock me. But here's the really cool part to wrap it up, I think. He will, if when he does this, and I think he'll probably do it, I would imagine, if not this game, I think you guys agree, probably next game, the right. next game, it's he gone. probably does yeah. it, yeah. Um, he will join some elite company here. Colton McCoy and Vince Young, you know, they're pretty big quarterbacks in Texas lore. As the only three quarterbacks in school history to pass for 3,000 and run for 1,000. It's so, pretty impressive. I mean, that's, yep. uh, you know, considering his career, it looks nothing like theirs did. Right. And, you know, barring a, a heck of a run, probably won't finish with the national title, uh, or at least an appearance, unless they just really, you know, things really work out for him this year. So that, I mean, he's, you know. Uh, that, I thought not that bad. That's crazy. not bad for a guy that not many people think too high. Too much of exactly. I mean, and it, he, you know, he's been, you know, he came in under some really. I don't know. Some people may not remember. He came in some really high pressure. Everybody, this is the next Vince Young, and it really wasn't fair. That's not fair to do to anybody. I'm no, sorry. You're right. Um, you know, Demarco. When Demarco came in Oklahoma, there was a little bit of is this the next Adrian? That kind of crap's not fair to people. You no. can't. Do, you gotta let them be them. And you know, 
So anyway, I thought that was interesting. Um, anything else anybody wants to add to what they're looking forward to this weekend? Are we ready to roll into the show? Let's roll, Let's roll, man. Roll it. Okay, guys. Uh, hopefully you enjoy those stats. I try to bring something a little interesting. I like to educate, and I got educated in that particular scenario. So, you know, any ideas or any opinions, feel free to send them our way. Uh, okay, rolling into this week's games, guys. Uh, number one is going to be Central Michigan and Oklahoma State. and that what we're going to start off with, guys? Yes. Okay. Yep. This one is uh, 11 a.m. on FS1. Uh, you know, Oklahoma State and, and Central Michigan had a pretty close game up there last year. And uh, 24-13, right? Yeah, it, right, it was. It? Yeah, it was close going into the fourth quarter. I mean, they they were. It was a good ball game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, the Chippewas have a, a quarterback that's you know pretty pretty well thought of. Uh, a lot of like CBS, for instance, has him ranked as a fourth round draft pick. So I mean, that's nothing to sneeze at by any means. The guy I read some stuff you. today that the quarterback's name is Cooper Rush. I read some stuff today that some people have him as the number one quarterback prospect coming out this year. Wow. Wow. Are you sure that's not just In a, NFL dra- NFLDraftScout.com has him as a number four quarterback prospect in the 17 draft. I can't so, see that because, uh, I mean, Kaya is considered pretty much Brad Kaya from Miami. For everything I understand is considered pretty much the unanimous, either I'm, him or Deshaun Watson. Him and Watson, yeah. I'm, I'm wondering if maybe it's just it could be seniors. Senior it could yeah, be it senior. might be senior stats, but. Well, I, I did hear still, that he was a number one ranked senior quarterback prospect. Well, well and mm-hmm. regardless, the dude's probably going to get drafted. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. so I mean, he's an NFL talent. He's not just a, the, an average quarterback. The little bit, and correct me if I'm wrong, guys who really watched the game. I watched it last year. I remember because we and Colin discussed it, but it's just a year ago. Um, the one thing I I would like to see a little more of. It didn't seem like he had that strong of an arm. And when you're talking about NFL prospect, you know what I mean? Like he was great and accurate at the short throws. I don't remember him having a big arm, does he? Well, they had a really good tight end last year that they they used. Took a lot. advantage yeah. of, yeah. And he was. He's I mean, gone he was this really year good. now, right? He, yes, he is mm-hmm. gone. Well, and then also last year was right when the coach was coming off the whole cancer thing. Yeah, and, and that was the very first game of the season last year. Yeah, and they and they were the fans, the players, everybody jacked. was just jacked up. I mean, it was a it was a tough call to go there and play at that small stadium with, with everything on the line. It, it, it's it's kind of one of those weird situations that happen every once in a while where the outside circumstances mm-hmm. actually affect what's Crazy going on in the game. Perfect storm, well, yeah. and it was also a Thursday night game, if I remember right. Yeah, it was, yes. As we know, ranked teams on the road Thursday night in an yes. environment that's – Not the way you want to start Especially if it involves a MAC team. Oklahoma State. Or if it – just particularly if it involves a MAC team. Um, you that, know that I'd, cut deep, Brady. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. know there's some still some sour. Yeah, 2011 was rough. Um, to be uh, fair, I think that was a Friday night game. Yeah, it was a Friday night game. Uh, so in the little bit I found out from them, um, the running backs, they all three, they used them quite a bit in their first game. Devin Spalding, John Ward, and I'm gonna say Jeray Hayes. Anybody else have that name? Jare, Jare Hayes, they combined, the three of them combined for over 200 yards and five TDs, and they averaged 8.3 yards per carry collectively as a group in their first game. From what I can tell, this, this is their weapons. This is their offense, those three guys. They use them in every way, shape, or form. You put them in space, the whole nine yards. So Yeah, I think they have all, I think they returned their entire wide receiver class from last year as well. So that, that definitely helps as well. Yeah. Anything? Anybody else got anything to add to their well, offense side of it? Uh, to to uh, well, I think it'd be it's going to be really interesting to watch Oklahoma State's defensive line. We've heard a lot about 
their defense tackles and stuff being better than they have been in the past, mm-hmm. and it felt like they got a good crew going on there. So it'll be interesting to see because it sounds like their rushing attack, you know, will be a good, not necessarily a, a big time parameter, but it'll, it'll be something to kind of gauge where they're at at early part of the season. So well, I mean, eight eight point three yards per carry as a group collectively. I mean, that's nothing to sneeze at. You know, that's. Well, yeah, but are you playing? Yeah, I mean, I know, I know. I'm just time. saying that that's you know, it's it's just good. It's a good. It's better than what you were oh, facing yes. last weekend. Oh yeah, well, there's it's, no doubt. Give you a better that. idea. Yeah, so no yeah, doubt. Um, I'm with Kendall too. I, I want to see the D line, OSU's D line, to see what you know. We've heard kind of this preseason that they're kind of the deepest D line that they've had there in quite some time, if not. Well, just their best. They're deep as they've had. At um, defensive tackle only. It's not as deep at defensive end. Yeah. Oh, okay. Just they're, defensive tackle. Yeah, they're they're rolling three deep at the tackle position, but not defensive end. The way I the way I think of it, because I honestly agree to some degree, the difference between the ones and the twos isn't what it's been in the past. They're actually pretty right similar, no. and they can be rolled in and out. And so, in, and in fact, this week OSU moved the uh, DeQuinton Osborne, the the guy that had previously committed to play with Baylor, but then. Was granted his release and, and mm-hmm. came to OSU. He's been bumped to second string now on defensive tackle, and they moved Darian Daniels back to third string. Man, so I mean, there, there's some people who can play. Yeah, because Daniels is a solid player. Yeah. Um. Okay. Uh, defensive standouts. Just to give you a little more, so you know what to watch if you're going to watch this game. Uh, the senior safety for CMU, Tony and Anise. Um. He's kind of their their best guy back there in the secondary. Uh. Let's see. Kel. Uh. Kelby Latta is a defensive tackle, 310-pound senior. Uh, you know, this is one of these teams where there's not a lot of NFL guys, so they all stay till they're seniors, and you're getting really good experienced players. They may not be – you know, a lot of them could probably make practice squads in the NFL. They're probably, you know, decent enough to do that. Um, at, at linebacker, senior linebacker, another senior, uh, Nathan Ricketts. Uh, the junior corner, Amari Coleman, um, you know, they – they all had uh, – they did a heck of a – well, I mean, again, opponent. But they uh, they held the Blue Hose. I guess that's the mascot for them. I didn't Duquesne. realize that was for Duquesne. Yeah, I guess they're the Blue Hose. Held them to 126 yards of total offense and six first downs for the whole game. So, I mean, I know. I get, I get it. It's, it's hard to know for sure. But that's – I mean, that's impressive stat. So. Central Michigan didn't play Duquesne. That was uh, – Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. We were talking about Duquesne before yeah, the show. I'm why, sorry. Yeah, yeah. okay. My bad, guys. We were talking about another thing outside of that, and they got confused. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, Oklahoma State, I you know, just see what they do. They, sh- they got to do what they do. Go ahead, Josh Jap. Yeah, I don't I want to see. Go ahead. I want to see if Washington could catch the balls that he dropped last week. He dropped he dropped four balls last week, and one of them could have been a touchdown. I want to see that, too. If he can catch the balls he dropped last week, that's impressive. It is pretty <laughs> impressive. <laughs> uh, that's funny. But, yeah, he, he did have some drops last week that were – uncharacteristic and I think he needs to clean that up if you know if Oklahoma State plans on taking the steps they're thinking about he's definitely going to have to make those catches because they were they were good thrown balls he just flat out dropped them yeah and that's I mean I've seen that from him in in some last year but it wasn't anything alarming it sounds like maybe that's a little bit more of a focal point this year do you think it was was it situations where the game was out of hand and maybe he just wasn't focused I think he was looking for the big play yeah. on on when he didn't need to. Yeah. He was, he was trying just, to do the 70-yard touchdown. Yeah. and Yeah. I mean, I'm not worried about it. I think no. he'll be fine. Yeah. Well, and another thing I'm interested in is this is this defense probably a little bit better, obviously, than when they played last week. Mm-hmm. What's the running back situation going to be this week? What Who are they going to be putting in there when things 
yeah. are a little bit tighter. Yeah, you know, exactly. Last week they were able to just roll whoever in there and compete and make yards. Well, yeah. I have a feeling it's going to be a little bit different this week. So what, what what's yeah. their plan? If it's if it's first and goal from the two and you know you're going to take all four shots at it, who's getting the ball? Right. Yeah, yeah I, know, I get that. So Well, what, one other thing I want to bring up on this game before we move on is last year when, when OSU played Central Michigan, it was Rudolph's, like, fourth start. Mm-hmm. That was his first mm-hmm. – I mean, outside of Baylor, I guess – yeah, because that's right. He went on the end of that year, his freshman year or whatever, where right, he went right. through like three games at the end of the season. Yeah, it was basically I mean, baptism by fire. Yes. And yeah. that was a, it was a tough situation for him to, to open on. There were a lot of expectations. Mm-hmm. Everybody yeah, knew who he was, was at that point. He was point. hyped pretty big there going into the season. Yeah, and he didn't have his best game. I expect it to be a different story this time around. Yep. I think he's going to have yeah. a, a big I've time got, game. Yeah, I've got this game. I think the spread is, what, 21? Yeah, it's about that, yeah. I've, I've got OSU going 52-28. I, I mean, that's possible. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's that's probably not bad. Central, I would want to see, especially this game in Stillwater, if OSU's defense can step up and answer the bell a little bit and maybe not give up that many points. I don't think they'll give up that but, many points. Um, I, you know, Central Michigan is – to me, this Central Michigan team isn't what it was last year in terms of their passing core, the receiving core. I don't think they have as many – sure-handed guys from what I can it's to look granted it's one game I have to go off of but it doesn't appear on paper anyway that they're sure-handed last year that was one of the big keys I remember me and Colin talking about going to that game was they catch short passes and there's like four or five well, guys that can hurt you well you know but one thing about the, their last game is when you're averaging 8.6 a rush you're not gonna, you, throw you're the ball not gonna be throwing much. the ball yeah, that much exactly so. yeah so well and to touch base on the uh running back situation I think we're gonna see Carson start again just like we did last week. Oh, he started last week? Yeah, I didn't realize he started last I week. I think he's going to start again this week, and I think it's going to be more of the same. We're going to see all five of the running backs. And until maybe, you know, if it's a close game, maybe they make a commitment to somebody late if they're on a hot streak or something. But otherwise, I think yeah. it's basically going to be what we saw last week. Okay. All right. Everybody good on that one? Ready to move yep. on? Uh, yep. Next one. Sorry, Jockstrap, you got one less thing to add? No, make it quick. I said yes. Oh, okay. All right. Sorry. Uh, rolling on into uh, the next one, Youngstown State in West Virginia. Bo uh, Pelini, baby. Yeah, the fighting Bo Pelinis. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I the he was there, there as well. Yeah, I forgot he was there. Uh, it, this one's at 1 p.m. on the Root Sports Network, R-O-O-T. So I have no idea what the heck that is, but if you're... I tell you, I'm not watching that one. Yeah, if you're familiar with the Root Sports Network, maybe it's something up in the West Virginia area. It is. I'm not really sure. You can watch, honest. like, the, the, it's the regional network. They're kind of like FSSW is down here. Oh, okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. Okay. Um, okay, so, yeah, that's, that's where that one's at. Uh, so this one's in Morgantown. And, uh, you know, Youngstown State... You know, they have a reputation, you know, especially if you're familiar with some of the staffs and coaches here. I mean, Ohio, that's what a lot of people call the cradle of coaches, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many good coaches that come out of the area. There's quite – I mean, their fingerprints are all over college football. That that program is just known to have kind of been a stepping stone for a lot of key coaches and staffs. Um, they're usually solid contenders. And, you know, Pelini, he's freaking insane. So he'll probably have them jacked to the hilt for this one. Um their you defense know. is solid, man. They are solid. They do have a solid. They they are considered. Uh, well, last year, for instance, they returned their top six tacklers from 2015's defense, one of the FCS's best defenses, and it was ranked they were in top ta- ten in the S- FCS. And they ranked ten nationally in six categories. They led in pass yards allowed. They were number one in pass yards allowed and number one in completions. So this and was tied it. for first in first downs defense as well. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I'm I'm with 
with uh, Colin on this. We, if West Virginia can move the ball like they were able to against Missouri, which we'll have to wait and see, but they got to be able to punch it in the end zone. Mm-hmm. They've, they've got to figure out a way to do that because if not, it, it's really going to start taking – you know how whenever something bad starts happening and then it happens again, it kind of gets like in your mind yeah, and it becomes a habit. Over. Yeah, mm-hmm. they, they need to get that out of their system yep. You know, right away. Well, so, and, yeah. you know, it's hard to say for sure that, you know, because Missouri had better athletes than obviously Youngstown's going to have. They had a better pass rusher. But in terms of playing collectively as a group, pursuing the ball and tackling as a group, this actually may be a better test for them. <coughs> and not necessarily one-on-one in space because West Virginia's athletes are going to be far superior. But when you're talking about, in, you know, in close quarters and gang tackling and things like that, they're going to force West Virginia to stay disciplined, blocked like they're supposed to. Now, it, when it comes down to mano y mano, West Virginia is going to blow them off the ball. But yeah, um, Youngstown, their pass defenses—I mean, judging by the stats, top ten in those six categories—and then you got the fewest passing yards and all that. I mean, their pass defense is really solid. So for mm-hmm. me, I expect Rochelle Shell and Justin Crawford to see a ton of carries, and I think they'll be able to punch it in from, you know, from the red zone. Yeah, I, agree, I think yeah. they'll be able to finish off those drives. Yeah, and if you're at all curious about that, uh, Rochelle's back this week. He had some leg cramps. Uh, as far as I can tell, that's all I can get out of it. I haven't seen anything that suggests he's yeah, seriously injured or sound, anything like that. Sounded so, like he was dehydrated is what I heard. Which we see happen all the time, every year, first game or two, especially with the heat, guys get cramps really bad. Well, he, he came out after the game and basically said he was fine to play at some point in the second half, but he didn't want to disrupt the flow of the game. Yeah, but I always I always like to do my own research because I have a hard time. But but yes, I do. I saw that. I agree. He did say that. I just I have our, I think players and coaches lie. It's just a personal opinion I have. Well, that's they true. lie a lot. So, but uh, yeah, anyway, but there shouldn't be a lot of posturing here for Youngstown State. No, but you know I don't know. Anyway, um, as far as Youngstown State goes, if you're interested about them, the Ricky Davis, the quarterback's a dual threat. Uh, last year they actually implored a two quarterback system. Uh, I just said that wrong, but. They actually deployed a two-quarterback system. But, uh, you know, last week, from what I can tell, this is Ricky Davis's show now. From And like I said, one game, I could be wrong. They may go back to that system. But from what I can tell, he was 12 for 16, 187 yards passing, three touchdowns, and he also had 10 rushes for 74 yards. Um, that's, uh, you know, that's about it. That's They don't really have anything that's just going to scare you. Uh, yeah, from what I've, what I've read on him is he's more of a – more of a runner than a thrower. He doesn't seem like he's got the arm or, I mean, he had a good game last game accuracy-wise, but he seems to be a guy that you've got to play contain on and and keep him from keep him inside the box. Yeah, when he uh, when they did do the uh, two-quarterback system last year, he was the Wildcat quarterback, for lack of a better term. That's what he was. He did all the Wildcat formations, so he's working on his passing. Um, Skyler Howard, if you are paid close attention to that, he's saying he's healthy now. Um, he sustained a rib strain injury, he strained ribs. Uh, how, I mean, that's kind of a loose term if you ask me, but that's what they called it, strained ribs. Um, left guard, Adam Panky, uh, that Brady touched on last show, was going to be out for that last game. He'll be reinstated after his DUI in August, but from what I can tell, they are not going to start him, and he'll be lucky to play much at all. Uh, Mateo, who filled in for him, uh, it sounds like he's still kind of in the doghouse with this whole DUI mm-hmm. thing. So... Um, you know, I, I expect Crawford and Shell to go off the running backs. I mean, they, you know, they ran for 191 yards and two touchdowns previous week. To kill Shorts, the wide receiver, I expect him to go berserk in this thing. I, even though they are a good pass defense, it's still 
the FCS's best pass defense, and let's face it, they don't have the athletes like to kill shorts in no, the FCS. You're, you're right with that. So, all right. Everybody good on that one? Oh, you got anything else to add there, Jockstrap? I, I just wonder if uh, West Virginia is going to get out of the game with their all their players healthy. That, that's definitely a goal. It's definitely something they need to do. So, by all means, go get a win. Oh, yeah, the one and oh Kansas Jayhawks. <laughs> all right, Jayhawks. We we're, we're, were pumped up to see them win a game. You know, uh, like we discussed in the last show, the the, the uh, uh, field storm was, storming was absolutely horrible. But, you know, all in all, you guys aren't that experienced at it. So, you know. you got, you you got to really... take down the goalposts if you storm yes. the field. <laughs> take them down and carry them up the stands. Just, just don't do it like a bunch of Canadians. Get after it. You guys were just way too nice and apologetic, it seemed like, about the whole thing. But. Anyway, and I get there was a little bit of confusion involved in the whole thing, too. Um, the Ohio Bobcats, a program that has traditionally been really solid ever since Solich got there. Um, they will, you know, they're, they're one of those teams that uh, almost kind of like Kansas State, for lack of a better term. They may not have the best athletes to match you, but they're not going to beat themselves. They're going to make you earn it. You know, you're going to have to get every, you're going to have to scrap and fight and they're just like a thorn in your side that won't go away, you know. They're scrappy. Yeah, exactly. Um, they they actually, and from what I can tell, like I said, again, recurring theme, one week. But from what I can tell, um, they're not quite as good as they've been in the past. Uh, they're 56, they lost 56-54 to 54 to Texas State, which if you know anything about Texas State, they're program. Pretty bad loss. Yeah. That, that's Texas State's triple bad. overtime also. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, sorry I didn't read the whole line. But, yeah, they and actually Ohio had a chance to extend it to a fourth one and failed on the final two-point conversion. So a um, little bit about Ohio, uh, then I'll let you guys run with it. Strength of the team by far uh, is their front seven. They had six sacks last week. Uh, the defense, a couple names to look out for. I mean, this is easily, without a shadow of a doubt, both sides of the ball, special teams, offense, everything. Front seven is it for them. Uh, the defensive end, Terrell Basham, he's uh, Ohio's career sack leader as of last week. Um, linebackers, Quentin Poling, Blair Brown, and Chad Moore combined for 26 tackles last week. That's their, that's what they're going to try to hurt you with is their front seven. They don't have much depth. So I would imagine if Kansas can step up and say, you know, play like a Big 12 team and really start thumping them on the inside, they could get this thing over with in a hurry, I think. Yeah, I'm really interested as far as Kansas offense. What are they going to do about the quarterback situation? I know last week they juggled a little bit. And, you know, through all throughout the spring they've been – or, excuse me, through the fall camp they've been juggling back and forth. I, I, think, I kind of think before they get into Big 12 play, they kind of need to settle in on somebody. And so I, I don't know exactly when that's going to be, but I'm just kind of anxious to see who's going to start being the man taking the reins, you know, on a on every down basis. Colin, you're you're the Kansas uh, insider here on this particular right. podcast. What, what you got any information on that? Well, uh, I will say I incorrectly predicted it'd be Ryan Willis. I think at least in this game again, we're going to see Montel Cozart. I think, especially when you're talking about the strength of the the opposing team is their front seven. Mm-hmm. You want the athlete out there, and he he played well last week. Mm-hmm. Not not perfect, but he he played well and. I think you do. You want a mobile quarterback back there when you when you're facing that kind of pressure and everything. Yeah, because so they're going to get after him. Do you do you feel like that he gives them the best chance moving forward as far as you, with his athleticism and and play, or are you just going to depend on who they're playing? Yeah, you think it's touch and go, or do you think he can really lock this up? I'm going to say touch and go for right now. Okay, I think we're going to see him more this time for mm-hmm. sure. I think 
they're giving giving him a chance to run with it. Well, I went back and watched some of the highlights of it, and he, I mean, you know, Willis, like I said, he was, and I don't know if I have the stats in front of me again or not, but he was. I believe he was seven of nine. Yeah, he was really good on his own right. I mean, did great. It just what, made so, one awful throw to a wide open receiver, though. I mean, yeah. he like the guy was probably fifteen yards out, and he threw it about five yards straight into the dirt. <laughs> Well, those happen. Um, but as far as like you Shouldn't. know, if you're looking for the playmaker, the guy that can kind of you know set himself apart. To me, it looked like Cozart is a step ahead in that particular aspect. So right, well, and I mean, he gives you the ability to move the pocket. He was a guy last year before he got injured. So, yeah, I mean, that's true. That's true. It's not completely unexpected that he would get the first shot at it. Yeah, and and you know, especially that's another thing too that's important with the front seven like this. You're going to have to probably move the pocket if Kansas's offensive line doesn't hold up at some point. And I don't think Willis is the guy to roll the pocket out. So, well, and uh, another thing here, you have, I think, a strength of Kansas this year is going to be their their wide receiver combo with Steve Sims and Speedy Gonzalez. Speedy. Yeah, I, I I think you're right there. Um, I the my mine was a little reverse on this. Um, you know, Ohio isn't exactly. I mean, okay, Ohio has a dual threat quarterback by the name of Greg Windham. Uh, he's showing some signs of being a pretty talented dude. Um, he was 27 for 45, which, you know, isn't spectacular, but not bad, uh, for 380 yards, four touchdowns, and zero interceptions, which is important in that scenario. Um, eight carries for 37 yards also. So he's, he is a dual threat, but he's not the dual threat that's just going to abandon and run every time there's pressure. Um, their two best weapons by far are not even probably going to be able to play this thing. Um, running back A.J. Oledi, Oledi, I don't know how to say it exactly, he went down on the first drive of last week's game and won't play at all in this game. Uh, the wide receiver, Sebastian Smith, has been battling a groin injury from camp, and he actually left the game at times last week also. So I don't expect him, if he does play, to even make it to this whole game. So it's pretty much going to be Wyndham by himself. So that, to me, I want to see the Jayhawks you know, step up and hit somebody in the mouth and say, we're going to play defense on this thing. They only gave up 219 yards last week and six points. So I want to see that theme kind of continue and see what they can do with that. That'd be good. So, so I'm with you. I think I think with the offense for uh, Ohio last week, they put up 380 yards passing and rushed for 250. So it'll be a big test for Kansas to see if they can buckle down on defense and and get some stops. Yep, that's what I want to see them do. Go ahead, Colin. We're all picking Kansas, right? Yeah, I wasn't yeah. going to until I started diving into the, uh, the yeah, the, I guess the spread portion. But yeah, I mean. Oh, I didn't realize. I'm sorry, I didn't even realize it was on the ATSs. Okay. okay some is. some interesting stuff. Well, you know, Jayhawks. They haven't had a, a three win season since 2009. More than three wins in a season since 2009. So was that the Orange if, Bowl year? 08 was the Orange Bowl year. 08. Okay. And then 09 yeah, was, was the last year. year with Reasing, where they were a little bit worse, if I'm not mistaken. But they still won like nine games, I think, that year. Eight games. Yeah, I think you're right. I think they finished runner up in the North that year, behind Missouri or Nebraska. Missouri. Nebraska. Nebraska played. 09 Nebraska played Texas in the Big 12 championship game. Yeah, yeah that's so the they've, one got, a, they've got a good chance to start out 2-0 and and then maybe be able to sneak in a few wins, you know, during the rest of the season and get above that three wins. It'd yeah. be a big deal for Kansas. Yep. And, then, you know, like I said, last weekend I would have said no, but actually, again, getting to dive into this information, I do. I think I think the Jayhawks take this one, and I think they probably put it away, you know, 10 or 12 points or so. So, anyway, all right. That takes care of that one. Sorry, you got something else to add, Jockstrap? Um, just like you said, I, I think I think the Kansas momentum is going to move on to this <coughs> game. Yep, I'd like to, I hope so. Let, let's hope so. 
Okay, now we're going to roll on into uh, SMU and Baylor. Uh, SMU at Baylor. Uh, this one's at 2.30 p.m. Central Standard Time uh, on FS1. Uh, last week, SMU, you know, they, they beat North Texas, which, like, you know, we've discussed North Texas isn't anything to really write home about. They supposedly are getting better. I haven't really dipped into them too much this season. But uh, definitely not a, a challenge. Uh, got, uh, Chad Morris is the head coach there, which uh, there's been some rumor that he could be the next Baylor head coach as well. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not buying that one, but yeah, he, they might. I heard that he's a candidate for the job, so and I'm hell, not buying it either. Hell, anybody who will take the job and can run an offense is a candidate for the job right now, in it's my truth. opinion. Sonny Dykes. Um, you know, there, it's not going to exactly have some moral high ground to stand on in, the, in this whole situation. So, um, they SMU was terrible last season, I think everybody recalls. Uh, they appear to be somewhat improved this season. You know, short, short little test that we have to see of them so far, but um, they're definitely on the up from a couple of years ago. Yes, yes. They're, that team that basically went over or whatever it was. Yeah. That was that was bad. Um, yeah, they're, they're starting quarterback, Matt Davis, who I believe we said is a game-time decision. Yes. Yes, game-time decision on that one. He's uh, eight for, he, had, he went 8 for 17 for 155 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. He also ran for 91 yards, so he can do a little bit of it all. That would be a huge loss for SMU if he was not able to go. Uh, yes. Well, their freshman back, Ben Hicks, he seemed like he was efficient as a backup. I didn't record all of his stats, but I remember looking at it. He was pretty solid. He's um, He gives them zero chance in this game, but if they had to use him throughout the year at SMU, he'd probably be all right. Yeah, even if Matt Davis does play, I think he's going to be limited a little bit with his rushing ability. I mean, he's a you said a dual threat guy, so he might yeah. be limited with his mobility some with that knee injury. Right, and that's a big part of his game. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if he can't keep you honest, I, I have a feeling it'd probably be somewhat like Tebow if you're if you're not fearing the run, he's not gonna pick you apart with his arm. So um running back Xavier First Jones. Tebow mentioned of the podcast, by the way. Uh running back running back Xavier Jones, he was eleven for hundred and fifteen yards and one touchdown. I mean that's pretty <laughs> That's that's what like ten yards of carry roughly ish. Yeah. You know that's that's pretty good. Uh, the wide receiver Cortland Sutton is their best wide receiver from what I can tell. He had four catches for 162 yards and three touchdowns, and averaged game. he averaged 40 yards a catch. Um, that's a game. Freshman wide receiver was the bright spot for the offense. That they weren't sure they weren't sure what they fully expect out of this kid coming out of camp from what I can tell. But uh, his name is James Pro. I'm gonna say Proch either Proch or Proch. Uh, he was a bright spot. He, to follow with Sutton, had three catches for 73 yards and averaged 24 yards per carry or per, per catch. So, um, from uh, finishing off SMU, from what I can tell, the defense is not really anything to talk about worth discussing at all. Yeah, Baylor and the, the defensive end for SMU, uh, I can't remember his name, Lawler or something like that. He had three and a half sacks last week. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure he did. I'm just saying collectively as a group, from what I can tell, they're not. I mean, Baylor's going to kill him. Yeah, I, it, they should. In, in this game, I, I'm really interested in seeing KD Cannons uh, keep improving and taking over that number one receiver spot. And then I'm also interested in, in seeing Seth Russell maybe taking a few more shots. Yes. I mean, I really don't want to see him because I don't want him to get hurt. But at the yeah. same time, I I want to see if how well he's holding up. I mean, he didn't really get banged up very much at all last week and they got him out of the game right away which was a smart thing to do but mm-hmm. you know I, i'm just kind of interested in seeing what how is he going to react to getting banged around a little bit yep yeah well, i want to see if they'll let him carry the ball see that, if he's going to have any zone reads where he's going to going to keep it 
Yeah. He didn't have any carries last week. I yeah. think he had one, but zero yards. But I mean, let's be I honest. Let's see if he's if they'll let him run the tote the rock a little bit. Let's be honest. The Baylor offense isn't completely the Baylor offense if there's no threat of him running. I mean, it's you know that adds a whole another dimension to what's a dangerous offense as it is. Yeah, you're right. Um, but if they if they lose him, then oh no no, I'm it, not saying they it, should. It really, yeah, it really tanks yeah. a lot of their offense. So what I'm getting at is if he can't, then what are they this year? Yeah. You know that that's what I'm getting at. Jockstrap. Uh, I want to see if if Shock Linwood can can run a more can he get more yards against the subpar. Uh, SMU defense. Yeah, Shock Linwood is actually 107 yards away from breaking the all-time Baylor rushing record, mm, which oh. Walter Abercrombie holds. Yeah, I mean, it's it sits not... at 3,665 yards. So that, that's a I good mean, total for any school. That's a good career total. I mean, that's not nothing yeah. to lose that. I mean, this is game two. If that dude breaks it now, he could tote on another thousand yards to that total. Which Easy. I mean, you could make an argument he's been the best back, or will probably leave the school as the best back in Baylor history. Uh, yeah, I mean, right. you, oh, yeah. I don't, I can't think they're not exactly rolling out a parade of running backs at Baylor historically. So they've uh, they've had a few good ones, but for the most part, I, I could easily make the argument he'll he'll graduate as the best ever there. And he, he last week he was running with with some little umph behind him. I mean, he was thumping on some little people. panache. Yeah he, yeah, he he was looking impressive. He, he got out some aggression, that's for sure. He did. He I, did. I don't know if it was the footage I was watching or not, but to me, it looks like he's put on about seven to ten pounds of muscle. To me, he looks a little thicker than he did last year, which you got to be careful of. You know, and I could be wrong. He may not have gained any weight at all. It just that's the way it looked to me on tape. You know, and that's one of the biggest misconceptions of Baylor's offense is whenever you say Baylor, the very first thing you think of is, oh, uh, they're going to pass the ball all over the place all the time but really their run is what sets everything up i think people sometimes overlook that i mean that's mm-hmm. the biggest part of their game is the run and i feel like you know nationally they just think oh they just throw all over the place so that's not that's not true i mean look at chocolate was numbers you know he just said he's 107 yards away from being the all-time leader you you don't do that unless you're getting some touches. Well, I think you're going to start to see that narrative change is now you finally have somebody, and don't take this wrong, let me explain, credible like Texas running this offense where people are going to pay attention and say, wait a minute, now they're lining up and it looks like a big boy offense. They're running the ball. And it's really – now, yes, they add the 18-wheeler package, which Brett Bryles has never ran unless he did it in high school somewhere as part of this offense. So – um, that does make it look a little more physical when you've got three guys back there that all go about 230 plus. So, but that being said, the run formations out of it in its original stance with the quarterback, you see it more with Texas. The power, it just stands out more. And I think that will help start to turn the narrative of this offense around. You see it with all kind of air raid in general, you know, Oklahoma. Uh, when they when they're right, they run better than anybody in the country, and they'll run it down your throat. I mean, it, it happens a lot. People just overlook it because, oh, by the way, they threw it 30 times that game, right. you know, or whatever the case may be. So yeah, I, I think you'll start to see that narrative change a little bit with Texas running this offense, though. Side side note on Baylor, I did see something about Art Bryles with the ESPN special where he kind of apologized and said that he made some mistakes there at Baylor and such. So it looks like he's trying to clean up his in- image so he can. Come back and coach in seventeen somewhere. Well, he's got to get a job, but I, I still, and I don't know any, I don't have any inside information. But if there's any kind of legality thing at all, I don't see how he doesn't get hit with some kind of show cost penalty. Like, how can you, how can that lack of institutional control happen under you, and there's no show cost penalty? Kelly, Oregon's former coach, he can't come back to college football for X amount of years. 
there's been no NCAA investigation, though. That's well. That's I'm saying if it comes out now, if he gets hired beforehand, okay. But I'm just saying, like, if something were to come out, right. that they could say because you know the NCAA can't grow a pair and do anything right now. They're they're useless. The Big Twelve would rather the NCAA do something so they don't have to. Right. And it just. And I, I'm sure there's going to be some lawsuits, personal lawsuits that'll probably try to drag him into it. Yeah, but I mean, hell, it'll probably be 2020. But yes, you're right. But it'll probably be 2020 before we see anything out of it. Well, it, my question is. Is it a little too late for that? I mean, shouldn't he have been doing that? Oh yeah, exactly. Six months ago. Well, well now it just know, looks. It seems like now it just looks desperate because he needs a job. Right. I mean, that's all. Well, it he is. he hired that agent, and it's probably the agent probably came out and said, "Hey, man, you need to do something about this." So he finally did it. But you know, I mean, you guys, I've talked, we've talked off air. You know my feelings on our Bryles. I was, I do not hide them. I years ago when everybody was still googly over him, I could tell there was just things I was hearing and reading, and it just. He's not, I don't think he's, I mean, he's not the most upstanding human being in my opinion. And I don't know him personally, just, okay, for the perception that I can see him with the limited bit of information I have on him, I don't see anything that makes me think this guy really, truly, you know, is sorry for doing any of this. And he might be, but how are we supposed to know? Because it's not like he's coming out and saying anything really. Everything we've seen on him has been denial, denial, denial pretty much. Yeah. So, you know, that's all I'm getting at. And, and then now the timing makes it look a little fishy, like, okay, I need a job, so I'm going to, you know, do this now. So, um, yep. you know, I expect Baylor to just go through and, and and put this thing away pretty quickly. Agreed. Yeah, I agree with that, too. Anything else anybody want to add to this one? No. Okay. Uh, rolling on to the next one. Uh, I got Arkansas TCU next. Is that what you guys have got? Yeah, that's what I have. Yep. Okay. Uh, Arkansas TCU next, uh, 6 p.m. Again, that's Central Time uh, for our listeners who have been listening in Ireland. Is that what it is? Ireland, and Ireland, Germany. Netherlands, and Germany. Germany. Yes, uh, we appreciate you. By the way, if you listen to this, please do, and please feel free to share it. I don't know if you're troops. I don't know what the situation may be. If you are troops, please reach out to us. Uh, we'd like to shed some light on that. If it if it does turn out some of you are military, uh, but by all means, hit us up. Any of you, I don't care who you are. Uh, hit us up on our, our handle. We'll give it out at the end of every show in our uh, email and everything. Um, Arkansas and TCU. Uh, they beat La Tech last week by one point on a late touchdown. We've covered it. We covered it in the review. It was an absolute joke. I mean, Ugly they, game. The, the, the game should never be that close between La Tech and Arkansas. No, and it was there, – there weren't great starts for either of the teams in this game. Mm-hmm. No, you're right. No. And, it, and TCU, like I said, the shocker – and it, I don't know. It's hard to say shocker the weekend when you have – you know, the Big 12 favorite loses. Uh, Texas looks like, you know, a new Texas. It's hard to say it was the shocker of the weekend. But for me personally, as far as if you held me down and said, what's one thing you would expect to see? I would expect a TCU's defense to show up last week against that team. And they didn't. They got absolutely ran through. And I yeah, just I think, stunned I think that surprised me. a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, if, you, if you're thinking uh, – not Gary. I called him Gary Pinkle. Gary Patterson, Patterson. Missouri. Wrong coach. Sorry, TCU fans. That was nothing personal there. Uh, we'd rather have you than Missouri. Um, but uh, Gary Patterson, you know, one thing you come to know with him and he's defense. You know, he that's his thing. That's his. And, and they've, like I said, they've got some dudes on that defensive line. Some future NFL players. I just didn't see that coming. Well, one thing I will say about Gary Patterson is he's the type of guy when there's a problem, he gets it fixed. So mm-hmm. I would assume that they would come out in this game playing a lot better defense. Yep. Uh, you know, Arkansas, you know, they're going to bring some big boys. I mean, that's just kind of yeah. their nature. Their, their offensive line stuff is going to be big. Their backs are probably going to be pretty good size. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're going to see real quick 
if they've kind of fixed the problems because they're they're going to find out real fast because they're going to be coming right downhill at them. So it's but you know that's one thing about Gary Patterson. I I really always admired about him is if there's a problem, he gets it fixed pretty quick. So it should be. I'm expecting a better defensive performance out of him. That's for sure. Yeah, I yeah. have a feeling he gets their attention. Go ahead, Brady. I I, th- I think so too. I think that he'll get it turned around. I mean, Arkansas was pretty awful rushing the ball last week. They had 79 total yards. So mm-hmm. I expect them to actually get a few more yards this game. But I think Gary Patterson went and chewed some, you know what, this week, and and it's going to get his defense fired up. And I think they, I think they hold him, hold him to less than 25 points. Uh, I yeah. thought a, an interesting stat from the Arkansas game last week was that Arkansas really struggled on third down. They were 3 of 12 on third down conversions last week. Wow. So, I mean, if TCU keeps well, that trend going, then I, I think TCU will. But, but, obviously, but obviously to get Arkansas in that is to get them third and long. Right. I mean, they're, they're not, you know, long uh, – or Allen, the, the Austin Allen, the younger brother Brandon Allen, the new quarterback, he's not – quite you know where he's going to throw you out a lot of third and long situations and they're definitely a power run game offense i mean it's supposed to be somewhat of a pro style i guess offense but they don't quite incorporate enough of a passing game yet in this particular version of it in 2016 to really justify that so um real quickly on this one i you know if you're looking got names to look for so if you're going to watch this one as i imagine a lot of us will i'm sure all of us will watch this game yes it's one of the bigger ones of the weekend uh, the running backs, Kyle Hicks, 59 yards, two touchdowns last week. He He's the one for TCU. Uh, Raw, I said Arkansas, I have Raleigh. I'm going to say it's Raleigh Williams. Uh, he ran for 96 yards and a touchdown last week. That's your two good running backs. And like I said uh, earlier in the show, you know, if I'm not sure where he's at. He may be redshirting, but if you see Dev Waley, kid was a heck of a high school running back and is pretty good. You know, there's a good chance you see him play, um, especially if they need depth in this one. Uh, the top receivers, Taj Williams for TCU, Keon Hatcher for Arkansas, uh, and then the top tacklers, linebacker Traven Howard, linebacker Montreal Wilson, both for, for TCU, uh, and linebacker Dre Greenlaw, and defensive lineman Deatric Wise. Those are your, those are some of your big names there to watch for in this game, as I expect it to be kind of a smash-mouth game. Yeah, and I, I'm interested in how Kenny Hill does in this game, see how well he responds I mean, last week he had a pretty good game offensively. Defensively, they they struggled, but uh, you know I'm anxious to see how he does against. You would assume would be a better defense than what they played last week. Mm-hmm. And, and most definitely, you know. So I I would like to see how he does moving the ball, and then uh, I'd like to see the defense, you know, be a little more stout. They just they, they didn't show up last week, and which is really surprising to me. One thing with Arkansas, they they generally have a decent uh, secondary by SEC standards, but not. But, Big 12 standards like they're usually more than enough in the SEC but not so that's something to look at but also in recent years mainly the last two years Arkansas has done a much better job recruiting talented defensive tackles um, more of that higher four-star class guys and keeping a few of them in state and then going into the boot in Louisiana and getting a few of them so that's something to watch too they may be a little bit more skilled up front on the defensive line than they have been in recent years so uh, anybody got any Brady anything to add any predictions anything else I did look at uh, look up Whaley's stats from last week. He had two carries for one yard, and it looks like Willema. They asked him about why Whaley didn't get the ball uh, in that game as much, and he basically said he wanted, with a close game like that, he wanted to stick with his experience backs. 
Oh, well, because like, I mean, if that's all, then why burn his red shirt? Wait and see, or you know, he's, he's probably not going to red shirt, but at least keep it till you're going to need him. Why, why do it for one carry or one yard? It, two um, carries, one yard. But yeah. I think that I think just the game being tight, he didn't want him to put him in a situation that might fumble. You know, if he, yeah, if he screwed up, then you know, you could could run a run a freshman back's career right there. Yeah, I would definitely look for him to play a little more this game. One thing with Arkansas, they've had some serious injuries at running back the last few years. It just seems to be like they cannot avoid it. Um, one last little note about this little series here. The, as some of you may know, they used to be uh, opponents in the old uh, what was it, Southwestern Conference. Mm-hmm. I'm trying yeah. to scramble yeah. my brain here. Yeah, Southwestern Conference. This is the first time they've met since 91, and that's when Arkansas left for the SEC. So um, this could be something that kind of fires back up and gets interesting again. So uh, rolling on into UTEP and Texas, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, that one's at 6 p.m. on Longhorn Network. Um, if you don't have Longhorn Network, um, I'm sorry, I guess. Uh, some people do, some people don't. I think most most. If you if you do have, have Longhorn Network, you can now watch three games. You can watch the uh, national championship game and the Notre Dame game. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, that was pretty Shots funny. Fired. Yeah, that's true. They do throw the crap out of that USC game, don't they? Yep. Which I mean, that was a great game. I yeah. If not, and if you're lucky, you might catch college girls volleyball too. So yeah, <laughs> I didn't know where you were going with that at first, and then it dawned on me what you were doing. <laughs> uh, yeah, so yeah, they got some more programming on there. But uh, or you get to watch Vince Young and Ricky Williams try to be analysts, which personally I think they're not very good at. But don't tell Longhorn Nation that because they think they're, you know, the next Brent Musburger. Those are so, gods in their in their country. Yeah, um, UTEP. You know, it's not traditionally been anything special, um, in my opinion. Uh, a few years ago, probably 2013, 2012, they were a little bit better. Uh, they they won t- thirty eight to twenty two over New Mexico State and if you know anything about the New Mexico State it's a horrible football program. Uh, if you're a fan of that school and you're listening, I'm sorry. That's the long and the short of it. New Mexico State is one of the worst FBS programs over the last twenty years probably. Uh, facilities are down. The coaches they can't keep. It's just it's not <laughs> at all a model of of uh, consistency. Um, so that being said, it's hard to really say what UTEP did last week. But uh, the bright spots they have, if you're looking to watch this game, running back Aaron Jones, he's the senior, doing great, had a good game, 31 rushes for 249 yards, career high. He also had two catches, 43 yards, two touchdowns. One of them was a 75-yard scamper to the house. Uh, Quarterback, and this is a name some of you might recognize. As soon as I heard it, I did, but it took me a minute to figure out. The quarterback is Zach Greenlee. Some of you might recognize that name, maybe, possibly. Uh, You may just have to be a junkie like me to recognize the name, but... Uh, Fresno State transfer is where he came from, so he he was he there was a time where he was a, a pretty solid West a West Coast recruit. You know he wasn't necessarily nationally, but regionally a lot of the schools in the area wanted him, especially in that Mountain West, the old Mountain West Conference type regime area. Um, you know that that area. He had uh, he went 15 for 27, 229 yards with three touchdowns. Uh, there are other two really good players from what I can tell, wide receiver Cole Freytag. Uh, Longhorn fans, that's the guy you're gonna have to shut down because he's, from what I, he looked fast on tape, looked like he could run again against New Mexico State, but it looks like he could move a little bit. Um, I mean, the running back is your main concern, but on the outside, Cole Freytag, four catches for 95 yards and a touchdown, so not a bad day at the office. Yeah, I, I think the one thing that we're all interested in seeing is 
Texas last week had their back against the wall. Everybody said Notre Dame was better, all these different things. Now they've jumped up so much in the polls. Mm-hmm. How are they going to react to kind of being back to you know what mm-hmm. everybody thinks is that they're supposed to go in and dominate? Yep. You know, it's kind of different mindset whenever you're, you're hunting versus the hunter, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's a little bit different mindset this week than it was, say, last week. So what, where are they still living on a high from beating Notre Dame last week? It's going to be very interesting to see. Yeah, that was just an insane jump in the polls that, that happened. I forget what they were ranked prior to it, but to move all the way up to 11. Nothing. They were in their 30s, their 30s for receiving votes. Right. So they basically jumped 15 spots-ish, give or take. I mean, tw- 15 to 20 spots-ish, somewhere in that ballpark. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, which would have never happened in the old era. It's just the yeah. way now polls – now that polls aren't factored into the actual final – thirds of everything where they matter people can say i'll just throw it out i mean what's it matter you know it's not hurting anything not realizing that you get into the crap like you do with the sec where oh well they beat this team because they were number eight and it just keeps getting cyclical and cyclical and cyclical you know it's that's that's what you got to be careful of um one other thing on defense the only real solid defensive player they got alvin jones uh alvin if you're listening you're in for a long day buddy because uh you're the linebacking <laughs> core, and those three backs from Texas are probably getting ready to run down your throat, and you're the only prayer UTEP has at stopping them. Well, yeah, then the 18-wheeler package, you got the two lead blocking for the quarterback who's as big as they are. Who so are 500 pounds a, together yeah, as lead yeah. blockers, yeah. Yeah, he, mm-hmm. he better eat some Wheaties. Yeah, uh, yeah. you might want to uh, say a few extra prayers that week, Alvin, because you're in for a long weekend, buddy. Well, see, and it'll be interesting to see as throughout the season how do they use that package. Are they going to use it just in special situations, or, are, you know, is it going to be primarily Buchel's team, mm-hmm. or are they going to go, okay, here, let's, this is your drive swoops, go. Go take it. To me, it seems like those situations, and then going back to like Gundy, Gundy seemed, like, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, seemed like he kind of had a general idea of when he wanted to use that. Whereas I've seen some, it was Phil. You felt the game. Oh, Tebow was more of a, when they did it with him in uh, second Tebow reference, was I guess. Short yardage. Was, yeah, short short yardage when it was him at Florida, you know. So I some of these offensive coordinators like this, it's Phil. I well, feel like we need to use it here. And in short yardage, it's going to be a no-brainer, in my I, opinion. I think at OSU with, with J.W. Walsh is what you're referring to. They use it primarily in, in short yardage or in uh, red zone. Yes. Yeah. seemed like they he had a, like an idea of when he was right. going to you know, designate it. And I've seen some where Spurrier and sometimes where he's used to quarterback systems, it was all fill. You know, I'm going this guy, I'm throwing him out here, throwing this guy here. So See, and it, it, it worked in the Notre Dame game, but there's no guarantee that it works like this every game that's that's the reason well, i think yeah. it's a little bit early to say that texas is back which sorry texas fans it's i'm, I'm well, not ready to crown you yet but yeah i mean i mean they're definitely on the right track and they look better but yeah you had a whole year to prepare for that game and texas wanted them bad yeah. i mean they embarrassed texas last year to the point of i don't know that anybody's ever embarrassed texas that bad in a big game like that like it no. just when texas was you know unless this texas was absolutely horrible in some years but uh, yeah, that I mean the bet the Cotton Bowl. Oh, you beat them pretty bad a few years ago, but that one, that one was pretty bad. Thirty-eight to three last year. You know, in this game, if Texas comes out ready to play and is not in a hangover mode from the win over Notre Dame, they they should walk through this game pretty easily. Yeah. yeah. You know, oh yeah. You know, yeah. So I, and without getting anybody hurt or any sweat right. off their chest. Yes. Right. Uh, UTEP yeah. is not anything to to worry about. Yeah, I want to see what uh what they do with Bichelle, if They'll just kind of let him mosey back there and kind of run through the motions a little bit and kind of hand the ball off most of the game or if they'll try to get him out there and get in some more reads and get some plays and passes, short passes, deep passes, things like that to get him a little more comfortable in the offense. 
Yeah. I mean, he's he's still a true freshman, so he's only got one start underneath him, so he still needs still needs some seasoning on him. Yep. Right. Yeah, I'd, I'd expect them to to let him run the offense. I don't think they're going to limit it at least early. Maybe, you know, maybe if he keeps playing into the second half, then maybe they they cut it back at that point. But early, I look for him to throw and throw a lot. Yep. Yeah, uh, I mean, they're they're pretty effective against Notre Dame, but I think as the season progresses on and people start getting that film on Bichelle and getting his tendencies and things like that, I think he'll have he'll have some heartaches a little bit with some adjusting. Uh, to college football, I think he'll run into some stepping stones. Yeah, I agree. Or yep. Some roadblocks later on in the year. Yeah. Not this game, though. I think this game would be a cakewalk for him. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I shouldn't have any issue. Um, anybody else? Anything on that game? Good to go. No, okay. Good to go. Uh, sorry. Go ahead, Jock Strap. I'm I'm just interested to see how Texas plays after such an emotional win. Yeah. Good point. Game. Yeah. Yep. Uh, rolling into ULM and OU, uh, this game's at 6 p.m. This is the annual pay-per-view game OU does every year. Uh, usually it's the first home game of the year, and it's usually whatever cupcake they're playing that year. Um, and this is that one. It it goes through on an FSN affiliate, uh, but yes, you can find it on your local pay-per-view provider. Um, <clears throat> ULM is not really much to talk about. They lost 15 seniors. Ouch. They're very un- inexperienced. Um, they did play su- they did play Southern last week, but Southern is not even. I mean, honestly, I don't even think they belong in FCS. Um, yeah, they ran for 325 yards against them. Their rushing attack is their big deal. Garrett Smith, the dual threat quarterback, ran for 150 yards, a touchdown. He did go 20 for 33 with 208 yards, two TDs, but he also had two picks. Um, my prediction is Oklahoma has four turnovers in this game. Uh, that I just see it coming. Yeah, He's a terrible create, passer. They create, they create tr- four yes, runners? they okay. they they intercept probably intercept four passes, honestly. Yeah. yeah, I expect Oklahoma to roll through Louisiana Monroe pretty easily. I mean, there's some stuff that I definitely want to see out of Oklahoma coming off their last week lost. I mean, I want to see who's going to be the starter opposite of Jordan Thomas at cornerback. Is it going to be Parrish Cobb, the true freshman? Is it going to be Quick, who? converted from wide receiver last year is going to be another true freshman Parnell Motley I think those three are all in the running for that job I to me personally I think it's going to be either Cobb or Quick and you know it's kind of a coin toss what do you guys think on that you probably see both I would imagine I think they'll they'll put yeah both are going to yeah play. I would say yeah, Cobb probably first and then you know depending on the situation if he's struggling or anything like that maybe well, in this situation, they're they're both going to play. Yeah, they're going to see what they have. Because quick, quick is technically on the if you go off the depth chart, the backup to Jordan Thomas on the other side, who's right. the number one corner. And yeah. so, I mean, you you know, it, it, in my opinion, yes, it's great to have him as backup. But if he's better, then on the other side of the field, what you have, play him. You know, I mean, what's what's the point in keeping him? So, yeah. here's the real question: Does OU run the ball? 30, 40 plus times this game. They better. They do. I think. Well, see, they need to. They need to work on their receiving a little more. They need, the guys are least experienced there. They didn't do anything bad last weekend. They just weren't great, and they could have been. Yeah, but, but with all the criticism that they've been receiving this week on not running the ball enough, I, I would say they're probably going to make an emphasis of running the ball this week. I don't. I don't think they get heavy with it in terms of. I don't think it gets unbalanced. But I think they do their fair share of running. I think well, it's probably 60-40, 70-30 running a, ball. In a Big 12 game, though, you're gonna they're going to run, what, 90 plays? Yeah. So I, I think you'll see 40 carries. Yeah. Uh, real quick. I think, I think you'll definitely see an emphasis on the rushing here. But 
I'm I'm with Corey. It's one of my other questions I have is who's going to come up as that next reliable receiver, kind of replace a Sterling Shepard. I mean, you got Westbrook and you have uh, the tight end. I can't think of his name right now. Andrews. I mean, those guys are in there, but is A.D. Miller going to be the guy? I mean, he made a he made one nice catch, uh, it, but is Baker going to trust him? And then I also think you might see uh, the true freshman, Mikael Jones, get quite a bit of playing time this week at receiver. I think, they, I think Stoops is finally going to realize that, man, you got some young guys there that are athletes, pretty high recruits. Get them out there and, and let them make plays. If, if you're talking true receiver, um, uh, yeah, it's to me it's either going to be A.D. Miller or Grissom or Gino from, you know. Gino Lewis. Gino Lewis from uh, Penn State. To me, they're the most two that are the most ready to do that right now, right away, is a- after D.D. I mean, D.D. to me is the leader. He's going to be the wide, as far as true yep. wide receivers go. Andrews is your scorer. I mean, he's a, he's a mismatch everywhere. Now, if you're getting away from the, the label wide receiver, in my opinion, Joe, Joe Mixon is your biggest potential impact in that game because – He's gonna have. He, you're gonna be able to swing past him out of the backfield, line him up inside on, over a, you know, a smaller nickel guy or something. I mean, he, he'll be able to do anything he wants in this game. So that's yeah. what I would look for, and and that's where ULM. That's where they have all their new faces. Their their defense was hit hard by attrition. The secondary is still being situated. I would expect OU to have some huge plays in the passing game this game. Yeah, I, I was reading today where Bob Soup said that if, if P Ryan is cleared by the doctors, he he will be playing, but. I was just kind of thinking, I don't know necessarily think that's a good idea. I mean, if his shoulder is banged up a little bit, I don't see why you would need to put him out there in this game. I mean, I'd almost want to just make sure it heals better for the Ohio State game because, I mean, regardless, they're they're going to run through this team. So, I mean, yeah, I, I just don't see the point in getting him banged up if you don't have to. I think you want him out there to get a few carries. I mean, we got a bye week in between. They've got a bye week between the Ohio State game, uh, between this game and Ohio State game. So no, it's, it's next it's Saturday. between Ohio State and TCU. Yeah. It's, oh wait, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I, I mean, if it was me, I would want to sit him on the sideline just to make sure that it's healed as healthy as it could be to play Ohio State. Yeah. You're gonna need him in that game. Big I, time. I wouldn't be shocked if he had five carries, but I don't really see him doing much more than that. Yeah. If he's at all hurt, I mean, I don't he, see him he knows what that. he's doing. He doesn't yeah. need practice. Yeah, and he, and it's getting to the point now where he's getting, like I said, people are trying to make a name off of him because he's got such the reputation for running people over and being hard to bring down that they'll do whatever they can to do that, and that. Right, rises the chance for him getting injured, in my opinion. So, so we're all picking Monroe, right? Yeah. One last little quick side note on this game. Uh, Oklahoma State fans, if you remember a guy named Juwan Offre at corner, he is now playing for ULM, and he should be playing in this game. I don't recognize the name. I don't remember that name. Toast. <laughs> I'm sure he probably was in the Big 12. He's getting ready to be toast again. Moving on. Uh, moving on to Iowa and Iowa State, battle for the yeah. Cyhawk Trophy. And, uh, you know, this this one has been a series that at times has been real interesting to watch. Honestly, I hate to do this, but I don't see it really happening this year. I think Iowa probably handily beats them in every aspect of the game. Yeah, if, if Iowa State's offensive line plays like it did last week, uh, it's, it's going to be an absolute, absolute – Mauling. I mean, Iowa's front front is going to be way better than what they faced last week, and they couldn't stop that. So it, it's going to be – well, one thing I will have to say is they have to give Warren the ball some more. Even if he is getting hit the line, they got to get some balance, and they got to get him some touches. 
Mm. I mean, you can't give the man only 12 touches and expect to win a game. Yeah, I mean, he's by far the best running back on that team. He's, the you know, possibly arguably the best player with Lazard. I mean, he's your, you know, you've got to get him involved and control the game. And if, if that is their saving grace, you know, that that is a chance for them to control this game a little bit. But Iowa is so experienced. Brings back a really experienced team. The one matchup, and then I'm done on this game, and you guys can take it from here. Um, I want to see Lazard yes. on Maven because Maven is not a very good corner. He's opposite Desmond King. Everything I've seen from Iowa, they don't play a field boundary corner situation. They play this guy plays here and this guy plays here, and it doesn't change. Now game plan, they could game plan that differently, but from what I've seen, they don't do that. So I expect to see Lazard over the top of Maven all day long. The, that, I think to me, that would be the only way they really have a big shot to win is if they throw the ball to Lazard and he goes up and he gets makes some spectacular plays. Mm-hmm. They're gonna, they're going to need big plays to be in this game. It, they're not gonna they're not gonna do three yards at a time and be Iowa. It's not gonna happen. No. they're going to have to strike mm-hmm. and he's going to be the guy that has to make plays. It's that's it's that simple really. Yeah, and you guys pretty much touched on everything I was going to say. I I just wanted to say that you know to have a shot at winning, Laning can't turn the ball over this game. That, yes. that absolutely no. killed him last week. And if he does that again, it, it's going to be a route. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think yep. Jockstrap has something. Go ahead, Jockstrap. Nothing? Okay. Apparently I was incorrect. We said everything. Brady, <laughs> you got anything to add real quick to that game before we roll on to the last one? You guys have already touched on it, Iowa State. I mean, I don't think – I don't give them much of a chance. If Iowa was a little more unexperienced, I would I would say there's an outside shot. But Iowa State, the way their line played last week, I just don't see them fixing that over a week. Yeah. So. And I was an experienced, really good quality football team, so – uh, yep. Sorry, Cyclone fans. Uh, rolling on into uh, last game of the week, uh, in name possibly the bigger one. I maybe looking forward to this one in terms of I think it'll be a lot of points. Uh, Texas Tech at Arizona State University up in Tempe. Um, you know Arizona State, and they had really been solid and, and a really good contender in the Pac-12 in recent years. This team is not that, in my opinion. I don't know if you guys differ on that opinion or not. Everything I've seen, they're young. Uh, in a lot of places, the quarterback's a sophomore. He's not bad. Minnie Wilkins, if you want to look out for that name, he's 20 for 27 last week for 180 yards, but he had no touchdowns, one interception. And one thing I thought was crazy about the game last week, all five Arizona State touchdowns came on the ground, and they came from wide receivers, running backs, quarterbacks. So that gives you an idea of what it is they try to do. They're going to try to spread you out, jet sweeps, and the whole nine yards. Well, the so, Vegas thinks it's going to be a high-scoring game, too. They're over-unders 80 on it. So, that's I mean, what it, I would probably expect. Yeah. Yeah. So don't, yeah. don't you guys think this will be a good test for the Tech defense on being able to stop the run going in? Because they, they struggled horrendously against mm. the run last Oh, God, yes. yes, yes. Their defensive line gets manhandled by most Big 12 teams. So, yeah. yeah. Last week, Arizona State rushed for 276 yards. So, yeah. I, I think we have the chance at least to get a kind of a gauge on how Tech's defense, if there's been any improvement against the run. Yep, I'm with you, Colin. I think this this week will show a lot in if there's any improvements made over the on the tech side of the defensive side of the ball this this year. Right. Well, uh, we got their jockstrap. I want to see Mahomes light up the secondary. Arizona State has the worst defense in the whole Pac-12. They yeah, are. Yeah, their secondary is worse. I would say they probably do, and they're very inexperienced too. And uh, last little things to add here. Um, my trio to really watch in this game are the that trio of wide receivers that if you listen to the preview podcast I brought up that were all really similar. I don't know if you guys remember that. Uh, Devin Lauderdale, Ian Sadler, Reginald Davis, they all have very similar stats. They're very similar receivers. The running back, Stockton, obviously. And then where I really expect this thing to turn is I expect Tech's defensive line, which is actually this year really legit. Um, you know, defend, They're all three NFL prospects in the future. 
Defensive end, Colin Hill. Nose tackle, Andre Pipkins. And uh, defensive tackle, the best, probably the best player in the entire defense, Breeden Fioco. Um, that's where I expect them to take this game yeah. over. Yeah, I mean, Arizona State last week gave up 370 yards passing to to uh, Northern Arizona. Yeah, the defense so, is I mean, bad. Yeah, so I mean, I, with Mahomes, the way he can throw the ball, I, I expect him to kind of pick him apart. Yeah, oh yeah. I expect him to go nuts in this game. Yeah. I probably, you know, I think over 500 yards total wouldn't, you know, on the ground in the air wouldn't shock me no, at all. Probably five touchdowns too. Yeah. Yeah, so, I would expect Tech to score over 50 points this game with ease. And, and it kind of depends with the Arizona State if on Texas Tech's defense if they'll be able to keep up. One last little thing on this game. If you're interested and you're wanting to watch a few names to watch for, two freshmen that are they're pretty high on at Arizona State, Nikhil Harry and Nick Ralston, uh, linebacker, senior, Salamo Fiso, Fiso uh, defensive tackle to Sean Smallwood, and sophomore. And this is a big name if you follow recruiting, Kareem Orr. He was a big prize for them to get there. Uh, he was. I remember he was very – a lot of people wanted him a lot. He was a very high, talented recruit. Uh, they got him. And he's a sophomore, and he's playing a lot. So Kareem Moore, cornerback, that's another one, too, to remember. So that's it. That's pretty much all the names and everything on that game that I have. All right, let's 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 roll into the against the spread. All right, last last week, big five games, uh, we had Jack Strap and Corey coming in at 3-2, and two, and then Corey, Brady, and me all bringing the tell in there at 2-3. and three. Uh, got five games this week. First game we got, we got Ohio at Kansas, and Kansas is a three-point favorite. So uh, let's go around the room here. Brady, who do you have? All right, I got some trends for this. So I'm going to pick Kansas, but and some interesting trends that I saw today. So Ohio is 2-11 and 11 against the spread when they score more than 50 points in their previous game, which they scored 54 last game. And Kansas is 19-7 and seven against the spread in their last 26 games after allowing less than 275 total yards in previous game. So I'm going to go with Kansas this year covering. Makes sound like a bookie now. Yeah, I mean, uh, if you show that much dedication to your team <laughs> reviews, god dang, we might be winning the Emmys over here. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Colin. Don't expect, that, don't expect that on other teams, by the way. <laughs> who do you have, Colin? Kansas to 2-0. All right. Jockstrap, what do you got on this one? I've, I've Kansas. Corey? Yeah, Kansas minus three. That's just too easy to cover. I'm sorry. If there was at all to make it interesting, I would. But I, I can't. Yeah, I guess it's a clean sweep. I'm going to take Kansas, too. Yeah. All right, second game, we got we got the uh, the BYU and Utah game. Everybody knows that's going to be a crazy atmosphere. Uh, it's BYU at Utah, and Utah is a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Mm-hmm. The Mormon Bowl. The, yes. The Holy War. Holy War. That's a, gra- that's a great one, the Holy War. Okay, uh, Brady, what do you got on that one? I'm going to go with Utah on this one. Okay. Colin? I'm also going with Utah on this one. Sorry, Brady. Jockstrap, what do you got? I'm going with BYU. Ah, Thomas one here. All right. Corey? Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Utah, although I don't feel good about it because BYU is a little more experienced at quarterback. But the home field advantage, I'm going to go BYU. Or Utah, I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, more experienced. The guy's like 28 years old. Yeah, he? yeah, but yeah. he's like a six-year senior and everything. He keeps getting hurt. Taysom Hill. Well, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to go BYU just because I'm trying to gain a game back here. Yeah. Try, try to get something back on this one. Honestly, it wouldn't shock me if you got that one. The BYU is a little more experienced than Utah. All right. How about the uh, Arkansas-TCU game? It's going to be at AT&T Stadium. Uh, TCU is a seven and a half point favorite in this game. Uh, Brady, what are you taking on that one? Give me them horn frogs. All right, Big Twelve victory there. We got Colin. I'm calling TCU, and I think they're going to win by quite a bit more than seven and a half. Jack Stroud, oh, what you, you got? You got to change up your picks, man. I got, I got <laughs> TCU. 
Jack Straps got GTCU. Corey? Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. If they can't beat Arkansas by this, then their hopes of even continuing for the Big 12 are probably done. Well, that's another clean sweep thing because I'm going to take TCU as well. All right, now we're going to motor car, to uh, motor racing here. We got uh, <laughs> at, at Bristol Motor Speedway, everybody's turning left. Uh, we got Virginia Tech and Tennessee. Tennessee is an 11.5-point favorite coming off that crap game versus uh, App State. So uh, what, what are you going to take on that one, Brady? And this one, I went back and forth on this one. I just don't know enough about Virginia Tech, so I'm going to have to go with Tennessee. I think they'll rebound. Colin? Virginia Tech. I don't think Dobbs knows how to turn left. Mm, only right. All right. Jockstrap, what do you got on this one? It took me a while to think about mm. it, but I got Tennessee. Tennessee for Jockstrap. Can the short bus that Dobbs right, rides every day even turn left? Nah. I don't know if it can or not. <laughs> um... You know, I'm going Tennessee because Virginia Tech doesn't have the horse's voice. And, I mean, Tennessee's going to have to do – it's going to have to be a comedy of errors. Trust me. Tech does not have the horses to stay in this if it's a clean game. I'm, I'm kind of going with you guys. I'm, I'm, I'm with Tennessee on this one. Colin's on his own out there. That's all right. I'm used to it. Yeah. All right, here we go. Uh, last game we got here, Texas Tech at Arizona State. Arizona State's three-point favorite. I think this is the one where Vegas might have missed the line on, for far yeah. as what I'm researching. So, heck yeah, <laughs> hell yeah. So, what, Brady, what do you got on this one? If I if I had a lot of money, I might put it all on Tech. I would almost mortgage my house on Tech. This is insane. Easy, easy. Well, I'm just saying, <laughs> this is a nuts. I don't understand how they're getting this line. Like, yeah. It just doesn't. If you break the two teams down, it makes no sense whatsoever. Colin, what do you got? Wreck them. All right. That hurt to say that like that. I did. I had to, man. The, the tears coming out of my eye now. Yeah, Jockstrap, what I you got on this I one? I think Tech's gonna win by at least thirty. Jeez, well, you know, you Oklahoma Man. State people stole Man, all their stuff. Went, so Jockstrap went out of so. big limb there. What do you got? He said a zero to that spread. He said thirty. Dang, well we're gonna hold you to that. So if they don't go for thirty, you lose. <laughs> Hundred push-ups next yeah. show. You, yeah. No, I mean 30. twenty. I mean twenty. <laughs> oh no, no, you already said thirty. No, I mean twenty. <laughs> all right, Corey, what do you got in this one? Uh, yeah, Tech covers this by a mile and then some. They're not even close. I don't. Arizona State's too inexperienced to hang with them. Yeah, like I said, I think this is one that Vegas might have made a mistake on if I was looking at it. So I'm, I'm with you guys. I'm taking uh, Tech on this one as well. Hey, who knows? They might actually win by three. Well. Oh, time will tell. Well, uh, we're going to hold everybody accountable now. We'll post those on the podcast uh, or post those on the uh, Twitter handle. Uh, Remember last, to say it right. Huh? Remember to say it right. Yeah, I'll screw it up again. <laughs> don't worry. Um, any la- real quick, any last closing thoughts? We're running long on this one. No. Anything to yeah, add? Let's, let's, let's roll. Nothing to add. Okay. Some football. All right, guys. Uh, you know, we're excited for this weekend. I know it's a little bit of a downer after last weekend, but hang in there. And uh, before too long, we'll be diving into Big 12 play. Only about another week or two to go before some of those start playing. Uh, hang out with us again. Uh, we enjoyed it. Uh, follow us at Big 12, Big 12 Country on Twitter. Big XII yes. Country. Sorry, I, I forget to match, mention the XII instead of the number 12. Yes, Big XII Country on Twitter. And then uh, Big Big 12 Country, Big XII also at gmail.com. Um, anything else? Anybody, any other way to get a hold of us? Please, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll listen. Talk to us. Communicate with us. If you enjoy live tweeting, let us know. Um, I would love for you guys to start sending us your most popular hashtags for your fan bases because we are trying to research that. We do what we can, but I have a feeling we may not be hit communicating as well as we possibly can with some of y'all. Do y'all agree on that? Yes. Yes. Please, if you listen to this show and you're a fan of schools you know that aren't maybe as much discussed as common ones like the Sooners, for instance, 
you know, give us that information. Let us know some of the more oddball hashtags out there. So, anyway, all right, guys. Until next time, everybody say bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Later. Bye. Thanks. Bye.